Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, a wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. <laughs> Hello, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll hear music and interviews from two great purveyors of music of the American West, Patsy Montana and our own Glenn Orland. Also this week, historian Charlie Sandage will profile the amazingly prolific folklorist, Dr. Bill McNeil. And I'll be visiting with my buddy, Mark Jones, who's found a fine old recording by Kathy Barton from the 1970s. All that this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. Patsy Montana was an American country music singer, songwriter, and actress. Montana was the first female country performer to have a million-selling single with her signature song, I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart, and she was a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. She was a mainstay on the National Barn Dance on Chicago radio station WLS for many years. Patsy spent her final years living not too far from us here at the Ozark Folk Center, and she visited us quite often. Here are some recordings made on our stage. My boyfriend drove some cattle down from old Nebraska way. That's how he come to be in the state of Iowa. He met a gal in Iowa and told me we were through. And then he introduced me to his Sioux City Sioux. Sioux City Sioux, my little Sioux City Sioux. Her eyes are red, her hair was blue, her mustache shone in a curly cue. Sioux City Sioux, my little Sioux City Sioux. Bad dream coming true was this gal Sioux City Sioux. Well, I asked her if she had a bow, she said, yep, quite a few. Then I said, look here, sister, here's what you can do. If you have got so many bows that you can call your own, I'd thank you very kindly if you'd leave mine alone. Our Sioux City Sioux, a little Sioux City Sioux. I'll black your eyes, bust your nose, I'll shoot holes in your pantyhose. Sioux City Sioux, little Sioux City Sioux. Bad dream coming true was this gal Sioux City Sioux. Now I met Mitten Iowa, I think a lot of you. But I come from Montana to find Sioux City Sue. I'm a gonna rope a stranger up, I'll use my old lasso. I'm a gonna put my brand on that gal Sioux City Sue. says that you were born in Hot Springs, but I think technically that's not quite correct. Am I right? Well, my mother and dad said it was in Jesseville. That's about up the road a piece. I don't think there's anything there but a road sign. I think it says city limits on both sides of the sign. <laughs> Jesseville. There is a place because my daughter took a picture of the sign. Uh-huh. Ten boys and me, yeah. I would call that pretty large. <laughs> Regiment. <laughs> I was the seventh down the litter. Oh, yeah, in Hope, Arkansas. See, I moved from Hot Springs. I, I barely remember living in Hot Springs then. Uh, we moved to Hot Springs, I guess, when I was two or three years old, because I don't remember it. So all my growing up years through high school was in Hope, Arkansas. 
And actually, I could say my career started with a watermelon, but that's another story. <laughs> I just discovered that fact two or three years ago, and it's a cute, true story. But we'll come up to that. I'm going to sing a song now. Country music and Western music can be about most anything, I guess, especially country music. It can be cheating songs and truck songs, cheating songs and train songs and cheating songs, apple pie and mom and apple pie, but this song is going to be about a dog. I think maybe I probably did it here last, last year and I was here, but I bet you haven't heard it since. One of the prettiest dog songs I think ever written called Old Ship. When I was a lad and Old Ship was a pup, oh, Someone asked me that this morning. I, I guess I must be too young to remember. I remember we had an old tall Victrola, and we had to wind it up, like cranking a Model T forward. And I used to climb on a box and wind it up. You remember that, in Ruby? And we had um, Jimmy Rogers Records. Now, where we acquired them, I have no idea. 
but he yodeled. And I don't know, um, I don't remember calling it yodeling for a long time because my mother used to say, get out of the house with all that hollering. To me, it was hollering for a long time. So evidently, it was a sound that appealed to me. I could always yodel. Not everybody can yodel. You know, you have to get a little break in there. I'll explain that later. I don't know, just happen. That shows how your life is more or less kind of <laughs> patterned out for you. You don't realize it at the time. No. That's where life teaches you. You live through something, you look back and you say, are you reading a book? And you say, hey, I was there. You know, you have to be reminded once when you was there. All day I face the barren waste without a taste of water. She listened to him, Dan. He's a devil, not a man. He spreads the burning sand with water. Old oh, Dan, can't you see that big green tree where the water's running free? It's waiting there for me and you. Dan's feet are sore. He's yearning for just one thing more than water. Like me, I guess he'd like to rest where there's no quest for water. brothers was moving to California. He was a barber. And uh, I was out of high school looking to set the world on fire. I couldn't afford to go to college. And it's like everybody in my room went to college but me. And I really wanted to go, but in those days there wasn't ways for girls to work through, you know, like they do now. So I moved west with my uh, brother. I don't know what I was going to do. I had really hadn't thought about country music because uh, I just grew up with it. That was nothing. Uh-huh. And uh, how I actually got started in country music Another brother comes into the picture. Brother brought in a guitar one day. <laughs> I started picking around on a few chords, got me an instruction book. And I learned two or three songs, or learned to play two or three songs. And the neighborhood theater had a contest. They were very popular back then. Uh-huh. And how to this day, I never know why, but I did win. And there was a lady backstage uh, suggested, Patsy, why don't you uh, get you some boots and jeans and a cowboy hat? And heck, that was an insult. I wanted to dress up. I remember <laughs> I had a black dress on with a great big beaded butterfly. I tried, actually, I wanted to look sophisticated, I guess is the right word to use. But this little gal, lady, put a, planted a little seed. Patsy Montana wasn't born, though, yet see the name. I was Ruby the San Antonio Rose, I think, something like that. <laughs> Here's to you, daddies. I'm dreaming tonight of an old southern town. And the best friend that I ever had I'm longing to 
see you once again is a song about my dad. I'll dress her to silver, and I know you're failing too. Daddy, dear old daddy, I'm coming home to you. You made my childhood happy. Still. Well, I didn't come back east for a while. I came back for a vacation. Now, here's where the watermelon comes in. Okay. My career <laughs> my career hadn't really started. I just had been getting experience. I'd been working with two other girls in California. And the fact there is where the name Patsy Montana happened. Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of your story, but it'll That's tie right. in later. Right. Uh, how many watched the Rose Parade on New Year's Day? The big parade. If you see a cowboy in there that's larrating, swinging a larrant, that's Monty Montana, the world champion roper. Well, back when he first started, our agent or something got the idea to put those three girls, which is the trio, with Monty and sort of make a little show. We played schools and things like that. So he sort of became known as a family. So that's where the Montana came, the Patsy Montana business. And one of the girls in the trio was named Ruby. Well, my, I mean, Ruthie, and my real name was Ruby, and that sounded too much like on the air, so me being more Irish, I guess, than anything else, they called me Patsy. I don't know how that happened. It just happened. I don't remember suggesting. So it just became Patsy Montana. It just, just happened. Now we're going to sing a modern cowboy song. You guys are all in tune now and everything, huh? This song is, well, I want to get the point over. I did not write this song. Someone sent it to me on a cassette, and I thought, I'm going to sing that if I get shot. It's, it's fast becoming my most popular number, and I ain't been shot yet. It's a song called Dear Willie. Now, Willie, you know darn well you ain't no cowboy. Cowboys don't wear beads in their hair and braids. And cowboys don't wear tennis shoes and T-shirts. And they don't wear bandanas around their heads. So for God's sakes, Willie, tell them you ain't no cowboy. Got the whole world looking down on cowboys wrong. For God's sakes, Willie, tell them you ain't no cowboy. You're just a long-haired hippie singing a cowboy song. Now Lucan Buck was a plain old Texas cow town. Where the cowboys used to pass the time of day. Now the whole darn place is full of kooks and hippies. Smoking everything from grass to sagebrush hay. So for God's sakes, Willie, tell them you ain't no cowboy. Got the whole world looking down on cowboys wrong. 
for God's sakes, Willie, tell them you ain't no cowboy. You're just a long-haired hippie singing a cowboy song. Now, this verse I wrote. Now, <laughs> now Willie, I really like your singing. You put style in the cowboy hall of fame. But, Willie, you know you ain't no cowboy. But millions of people love you just the same. But for God's sakes, Willie, tell them you ain't no cowboy. Got the whole world looking down on cowboys wrong. For God's sakes, Willie, tell them you ain't no cowboy. Just a long-haired hippie singing a cowboy song. Willie Nelson to walk in back there, I would just evaporate. <laughs> so then I'm coming back now to Hope for a little vacation. And that was when Hope, Arkansas was known as the, raised the biggest watermelons in the world. You would remember that. It's before your, before your time. <laughs> well, anyway, the mayor of Hope, Arkansas, and somebody's got the idea for me and my brothers to take a watermelon to the World's Fair in Chicago. And I don't know. We just fell right for it. I don't, I think we... <laughs> I don't know who gave us any money, whether we had any money or not. But can you see us going right downtown Chicago, this little uh, cart or something on the back of our Arkansas lights, pulling this watermelon thing to the World's Fair? But we did. We delivered that. But before I left home, my mother said, uh, I wish you would go by WLS and say hello to my favorite announcer, Hal O'Halloran. I'd never heard of WLS. It's just a radio station, but I hadn't heard of it. And that was where the, the national... WS National Barnets had been going about five years at that time before the Grand Ole Opry. So I went by to say hello to Hallow Hallern, never came home, walked right into an audition. That's where I stayed for about 15 years, working with the Prairie Ramblers. So I guess Patsy Montana, you could say my career started with a watermelon. <laughs> That's how it started. <laughs> oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word And the skies are not cloudy all day Home, home on the rain You've been listening to a set of songs by Arkansas native Patsy Montana. Patsy started that set with Sioux City Sioux, followed by Old Shep, My Dear Old Dad, Cool Clear Water, Dear Willie, and finishing up with a song we all remember home on the range. We'll take a short break now, after which it'll be time to visit Mark Jones, the keeper of the vault. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio.
We're at that part of the show where I like to walk down to the vault and visit with my friend Mark Jones, who keeps track of all our recorded music from years and years here at the Ozark Folk Center. Let's head down now and see him. Hey, Mark, how's, how you doing down here? Oh, I'm doing fine, Dave. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Boy, I love coming down here. What a collection of stuff you've got. Oh, it's just everywhere. It is everywhere. It's <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Well, what have you found for us this week? You know, today I run across a recording of a friend of mine for many years, and I've been trying to learn banjo licks from her, and I'm still trying to. She's coming up with new ones every day. Who's that? Kathy Barton. Ah, Kathy Barton. What a player she is. She sure is, Dave. And uh, she got Tommy Simmons to play guitar with her on this song. And uh, I don't know, have you ever heard Ebenezer? Yeah, that's an old fiddle tune. It is. And it's, boy, it's a good one. It is a good one. And I'll bet Kathy can play the heck out of it, too. That's true. Would you like it here? Let's listen. girl knows the licks now, doesn't she? She sure does. Yeah, she's still at it, too. She, uh, she and her husband, Dave Pear, live up in Boonville, Missouri. Uh-huh. And they travel and work all around the country. Yep, and Tommy, of course. Tommy's got a long career here in Mountain View. He's been around Mountain View. Seems like about 100 years, doesn't it? And um, He's been around for a while. Yep, he was here when the Folk Center opened up. He was the mayor of Mountain View, and he's still at it and still playing music. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, I hope I can do it when I get to be his age. Yeah, me too. Mark, thanks a lot. That was a great tune. Thank you, Dave. Since we're featuring Western music this week, let's talk about a guy who was the real thing, an American cowboy, Glenn Orlin. Born in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1926, Glenn Orlin was a working cowboy all over the West, rode saddle broncs on the rodeo circuit for 20 years, and was a talented singer, poet, and storyteller. Glenn put his extensive knowledge and years of experience collecting Western folk songs into a book, The Hellbound Train, as well as performing his authentic style of cowboy poetry and prose. Orlin performed at cowboy poetry gatherings across America and at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. In the 1970s, Glenn moved here to Mountain View, Arkansas, where he continued his music career, 
lending regular performances at the Ozark Folk Center. We at the Ozark Folk Center State Park reap the benefit of having years of Glenn's live performance recordings in our archives. Well, you've heard a lot of stories about a cowboy's life so free. I suppose that you could tell me what a cowboy's life should be. He wears a fancy outfit, shoots up every town, he rescues lovely maidens, and he mows them rustlers down. Now, you may think that that's the way a cowboy's life should be, but it ain't no better roses you can take this tip from me. It's early in the springtime, the first job you undertake is to shoe up all your horses till you think your back will break. You can ride a center fire or a rim fire if you will, it really doesn't matter, you'll have your troubles still. You can take your dally welters and lose a lot of hide, and if you chance to miss them, you've surely got to ride. Or you can tire hard and fast and throw away the slack, and if your yearling hub's a sapling, well, you're bound to slip the pack. Now, when you've cowboyed all your life, here's what it'll do for you. Some busted ribs and shoulders and a knockdown hip or two. You've butted into cedars until your hair is hard to find. And the malpies and the granites got you all stove up behind. Now, if you have a youngster and he wants to foller stock, the best thing you can do for him is to brain him with a rock. Or if a rock ain't handy, you can throw him down a well. Don't let him be a cowboy, he's better off in hell. Anyway, here's one about the outlaw, Cole Younger. Now, we got a lot of youngers around Stone County, so I won't tell the great big old story that goes with it that I tell other places. Just sing the song. <laughs> I am a reckless highwayman, Cole Younger is my name. Deeds of desperation has brought my friends to shame. The robbing of the Northfield Bank I never can deny, for which I am a poor prisoner now in the Stillwater jail I lie. Of all my bold robberies, a story I will tell of a California miner upon him I fell. I robbed him of his money, boys, and I made my getaway, for which I will be sorry of until my dying day. It's now we've got fast horses, as Brother Bob did say. It's now we got fast horses on which to ride away. We'll ride to seek our father's revenge and we will gain the prize. Fight them anti-guerrilla boys until the day we die. We started out for Texas, that good old Lone Star State. On Nebraska's burning prairies, the James boys we did meet. With our knives and guns and pistols, we all sat down to play. A drinking of good whiskey, boys, to pass the time away. 
We got on our horses and northward we did go to the godforsaken country called Minnesota. We went to rob the Northfield Bank and Brother Bob did say, Cole, if we undertake this job, we'll always rue the day. We stationed out our pickets and into town did go. There upon the counter we struck our fatal blow. It's hand us o'er your money, boys, and that without delay. We are the notorious youngers and we have no time to play. We got on our horses and we rode out of town. The lawmen pursued us and Jim was shot down. To the brave companions made it home alive. To the brave companions sleep beneath Minnesota's sky. Thank you. And uh, I see Pop and Sean and Liz too in Wyoming every April. Out in Cody, Wyoming at the Cowboy Music Deal. And the last time I was out there, I drove up into downtown in Cody to the Irma Hotel and everybody hangs out there in the bar. And I see Pop standing outside. And he'd come the same way I had out across the Arapaho Indian Reservation south of uh, Thermopolis. And he'd gone through Shoshone and through Thermopolis, Metiche and into Cody. But while he was in Shoshone, he went into a bar, and an Indian in there said, Hey, cowboy, come here. So Pop goes over to him, and the Indian said, Got a riddle for you. You tell me the riddle, and I'll buy you a beer. You can't tell the riddle. You buy me a beer. Pop says, Okay. So the Indian says, Well, it's my mother's child, but it's not my brother and it's not my sister. Who is it? Pop couldn't think of who it was. He said, I don't know. I'll buy you a beer, but who is it? And the Indian said, well, it's me. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, you know. And uh, so they had a couple beers and Pop got to Cody before I did. And so I drives up to Irma Hotel and there's Pop standing on the corner. And he said, hey, Glenn, come over here. And I got out of my pickup truck. He said, uh, got a riddle for you. He said, uh, if you can't answer it, you buy me a beer. I said, okay. If, I, if you can't answer it, I'll buy you a beer. I said, well, that's fair enough. Let's, let's go on with it. He says, well, it's my mother's child, but it's not my brother, and it's not my sister. Who is it? And I thought and thought, and I couldn't imagine who it was. So I said, I don't know. I'll have to buy you a beer. But... Tell me, who is it? He says, well, it's some Indian down there in Shoshone. <laughs> Here's one about anybody who's worked around ranches has run into an old cow horse that he's broke good and he likes to work cows, but he's just got to buck a little bit in the morning, sometimes pretty good and sometimes not so good. But in fact, I own one like that out here on Dot Mountain. But the name of this old horse was Walking John. 
Well, walking John was a big rope horse from over Morongo way. When you laid your twine on a range and steer, old John was there to stay. And if your rope was stout enough and your terrapin shell stayed on, dally welt or hard and fast, it was all the same to John. When a long-eared calf would crook his tail, deciding he could not wait, old John was right there after him. He'd strike an amazing gait. He'd bust through the murderous choya spikes without losing an inch of stride. Now maybe you wished you was home in bed, but brother, he made you ride. Now walking John was big and stout, sure-footed and Spanish broke. But I'll tell the cross-eyed universe he sure enjoyed his joke. As soon as the morning sun come up, he bogged his head right down. Till your shaps was a-flappin' like an angel's wings and your hat was a-floatin' crown. Now that was breakfast regular. And whether you fell or stuck At throwing a wing-ding John was there A-teaching the world to buck But as soon as he got it off in his chest And the world came back in sight He'd settle right down like an eight-day clock With the innards piled in right But John was sold to a dude ranch Willing to take the chance of John becoming a gentleman Not afraid of them tourists' pants But as soon as he saw them toy balloons What's war on the tourists' legs Somehow it must have spooked old John Cause he walked like he went on eggs But then one day a dude come round Bogged down in a pair of shaps that plum disguised his ignorance, or so he thought, perhaps. He come up to the old corral, went floundering up to the boss. But the boss, he read his ticket right, and he give him a gentle haul. Now walking John had never bucked for a year come the first of June. But I'll tell the cross-eyed universe he recollected soon That dude took off like a flying bat, went streaking across the sky He weren't dressed to aviate, but brother, he sure did fly Well, we pulled him out of a choya bush and part of his clothes stayed on we felt of his spokes and we wired his folks. It was all the same to John. Thank you. Thank you. I had a request a while ago, and if you've been here a lot, you've heard me do this. And his request, he said, don't sing no more. Uh, tell a poem. I said, okay, what poem you want? He said, the one you always tell. I said, the help here is really sick of it. He said, I don't care, I want to hear it. But it's a real serious subject for a cowboy poem. Deals with life and death and all that. The name of it is written by a friend of mine in Montana, Wally McRae. He's 
third or fourth generation rancher up there in southern Montana. And it's about reincarnation. And you know what that is. That's when you kick the bucket and you come back as somebody else or something else. If you're real mean, really bad to everybody, you come back as a kid's horse. And the kid just rides the hell out of you all the time. But if you're fairly decent, it might turn out like this. And it goes like this. What is reincarnation? A cowboy asked his friend. It starts, his old pal told him, when your life comes to its end. They comb your hair and wash your neck and clean your fingernails, put you in a padded box away from life's travails. Now the box in you goes in a hole that's been dug in the ground. Reincarnation starts in when you're planted beneath that mound. Them clods melts down just like the box and you who is inside. And that's when you're beginning your transformation ride. And in a while the grass will grow upon your rendered mound until someday upon that spot a lonely flower is found. And then a horse may wander by and graze upon that flower that once was you and has now become your vegetative bower. Now the flower that the horse done eat along with his other feed makes bone and fat and muscle that's essential to the steed. But there's a part that he can't use so it passes through, and there it lies upon the ground, this thing that once was you. <laughs> and if perchance I should pass by and see this on the ground, I'll stop a while and I'll ponder at this object that I've found. I'll think about reincarnation and life, death and such. And I'll come away concluding. Why, you ain't changed all that much. <laughs> We've been listening to archival recordings of the late cowboy, singer, and poet, Glenn Orlin. We heard Glenn recite the poem, Don't Be a Cowboy, then sing The Ballad of Cole Younger. Next, he told the story of the mother's child riddle, followed by another song, Walking John. We finished that set with what was probably Glenn's most requested piece, a poem by Montana cowboy poet Wallace McRae called Reincarnation. After this break, we'll hear Charlie Sandage tell about the amazing Bill McNeil, who was for many years the resident folklorist here at the Ozark Folk Center State Park. This is Ozark Highlands Radio.
For 30 years, from 1975 until his untimely passing in 2005, Dr. Bill McNeil served as the Ozark Folk Center's folklorist and all-purpose advisor on all things dealing with traditional Ozark culture. His academic credentials were impeccable. He completed his doctoral studies at Indiana University, but his style of interpreting, interviewing, and writing allowed him to ease in alongside the folks of these hills as an easy-to-talk-with friend. Here he is during a workshop on traditional balladry. Okay, we have just got a few minutes left, and I, I would, uh, as uh, some several people have animated today and said outright that there's no such thing as the correct version of a folk ballad. Uh, there are many, just many different versions, all of which are equally correct. And perhaps just very briefly, we'd go around each person do one verse of Barbara Allen, which is probably the best known of the child ballads, number 84, for those of you who are counting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, I guess I'll start off with the, the verse the way I don't even remember where I first heard this, but it's a fairly common uh, uh, version. In Scarlet Town. During his I tenure at the Folk Center, Bill McNeil guided the establishment of the Ozark Cultural Resource Center, an archival and teaching facility on the Folk Center's grounds. A few years ago, state park officials, recognizing the need to ensure the long-term security and wide accessibility of the OCRC collection, decided to turn it over to the Arkansas State Archives in Little Rock. Jeff Llewellyn, a staff archivist for that facility, helped carry out the transfer of those materials and others from McNeil's personal collection. By now, Jeff is our best possible guide through the Bill McNeil treasure trove, so I recently drove down to visit with him. Appreciate your taking this little journey with me, Jeff. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure. When you acquire a major collection, which I, I suspect that, that what came into your hands from Bill McNeil's work was, was a pretty major chunk, what's the, what's the process? So we literally had to get our our big van together and drive to Mountain View numerous times, going at first through his house, uh, which was packed with books and and recordings and multimedia things, because Bill's interests were more than just Ozark music. He had everything from cowboy movies to books on Asian cultural folk tales and all sorts of things, <laughs> and we, we took all of it at that point. And then later, as the, the, the OCRC closed, that material came down here. That's here now, too. So we had to go back to Mountain View, haul up more vans, and, and clear out that material and add them. We've tried to keep them sort of separate but connected, too. It was a big uh, endeavor to get all that material down here and keep it in good shape. The goal, of course, is to make the collection accessible to the widest possible audience, and part of that means eventually putting as much as possible online. To that end, Jeff and his colleagues are busily digitizing and developing online finding aids to guide researchers when they come to the archive facility, which is located on the Capitol grounds in Little Rock. 
And so, with Jeff Llewellyn's guidance, we'll spend a few segments of our Ozark Highlands broadcast sampling just a taste of Dr. Bill McNeil's rich legacy. Perhaps we'll begin by sampling his way of boiling academic analysis down to concise, understandable language. I guess I'd better start off by telling a little story. Uh, that would be appropriate, I think. <clears throat> Seems there was this uh, farmer from B Branch, Arkansas, just a few miles from here, and no one in his family had ever gone to college. So they were determined, he and his wife were determined, that they would save up enough money and make sure that one of their kids got to go to college. So, so they did, and uh, came the time for the oldest girl to go to college, and she went off to that sinful place, the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. And she was there for a while, and she came home first time, and uh, she looked like she was almost afraid to talk to her father. And finally she said, Father, I said, I've got something bad to tell you. I said, what's that? I said, well, I ain't a virgin. And he looked shocked. And then he said, I'll be danged. He said, you are the first person in the whole family to go to college. We've worked hard all our lives to send you to school. And you go off, and here you come back saying ain't. And then there's the way Bill would sometimes make a surprising point by choosing at the beginning of a workshop on folk tales not to start with some ancient recitation about princes and ghostly apparitions, but with an offhand story someone's present-day Ozark grandpa might have told. Uh, let me get through the boring stuff first, and then we'll get on to the different narrators. And uh, what do I mean by folklore? Well, just to define it very briefly, folklore is something that is passed on orally, informally, becomes traditional, undergoes change over space and time, creating variants and versions. In other words, there's no such thing as the correct text of an item of folklore. They're merely texts. It, it is anonymous in the sense of the original creator is not important to the people who pass it on. And often it is anonymous in every sense. Often we don't know who originally created an item of folklore. Finally, it is formulaic. So in a nutshell, that's what we're talking about. The type, type of tales you're going to be hearing here this afternoon are examples of folklore. There'll be a test on this at the end. So, <laughs> Dr. Bill McNeil. More to come. I'm rolling back and build a jack in those old arches far away. Our featured guest this week, Patsy Montana, lived a life most folks only dream of. Born Ruby Blevins in Beaudry, Arkansas, the 11th child and first daughter of a farmer, Patsy attended schools in President Bill Clinton's hometown of Hope, Arkansas. She was influenced early on by the music of Jimmy Rogers and paved the way for women in the male-dominated world of country music. Not only was she a talented singer and songwriter, she was also an actress back in the glory days of Western films, appearing in films like Colorado Sunset with Gene Autry. If you can, now just sort of shut your eyes and just think you're an old cowboy way out in the West, all by yourself in the moonlight. Just picture an old cowboy up, just his, his horse. I'm sure he didn't have a lot of guitars, the, the real cowboy. He was lucky to have a harmonica in his pocket. 
But that was free. although he was lonely, it meant freedom. God must have been a cowboy at heart. Campfire coffee from a tin cup in my hand Sure warms your fingers when it's cold Playing an old guitar, a friend and I understand Sure smooths the wrinkles in my soul Waking up in the morning with a blue sky up above Leaves a contented feeling in my mind Waking up in the morning With an eagle up above Makes me want to fly away before my time I think God must be a cowboy at heart He made the wide open spaces from the start He made the grass, the trees, the mountains And a horse to be a friend And trails lead old cowboys home again now life in the city is all right for a while It sure makes you feel good when you're there But the country is so pretty It goes on for miles and miles Makes a little feeling cares and cares I think God must be a cowboy at heart from the start He made the grass the trees, the mountains and a horse to be a friend and trails to lead old cowboys home again and trails to lead old cowboys home again You know, uh, Jimmy Davis the ex-governor of Louisiana some of his earlier records, I played the violin and yodel with him. Not fiddle. I never could fiddle. I couldn't pat my foot right or something. My first record was made in New York City with Jimmy Davis, first recording. And on that session, I went to New York. Uh, can I backtrack a little bit? Oh, sure. I was home again on a vacation. My folks had never heard me on the air. So I went down to KWKH, Freeport, Louisiana, just walked in and said, well, go on the air. <laughs> you could do that then. And I was on the air for about two weeks. Just no money, just having fun. And uh, so Jimmy Davis heard me on the air, and he called up and asked me if I'd like to go to New York on a recording session. I didn't pay no attention. Here's some guy calling me up. I wasn't born with ten brothers for nothing. You know, I wasn't <laughs> going to bite on something like that. But my brother said, oh, yeah, Jimmy Davis is a big shot here in town. I never heard of He was city clerk at that time. So me and my brother went out to see him. I guess my brother okayed him. Well, anyway, I ended up going to New York, and um, during this session... Someone, I don't know who it was, said, let's see how Patsy sounds by herself. And I sang, um, and the flowers of Montana are blooming, I believe it was. And that was the first time that I heard my voice. And the only way I can describe it, I want to go out and eat worms. <laughs> you know, you never sound like you think you do, really. And that was actually my first recording. And it was released as an RCA Victor record. One side was, don't you love your daddy too, and when the flowers of Montana are blooming. 
Yes. Oh, and as I just sang real Southern, I thought I'd lost my Southern accent, but I sure had it on that record. You know, back when I started in radio, there wasn't many girls around, so therefore, there weren't many girls' songs. So I learned real early to take boys' songs and make girls' songs out of them. I'm sure you all heard the old cowboy song called Strawberry Rome. Well, this is the female version called She Buckaroo. And B flat and A kid A, was it? Yeah. I do that let you know I play in two keys. Some gals, they like babies and houses and things. Give me the feel of a horse that has wings. I'll ride him straight up, as all cowboys do. I'm a straight riding lassie, a sheep buckaroo. There's a secret in a life for which I sure own. I'm pining to ride that old strawberry roan. I'll make him hop out like an old kangaroo. I'm a straight riding lassie, a sheep buckaroo. If you make the rodeos, you'll find me right there Riding and a-roping and winning my share Of the prizes they give, make the he-men feel blue I'm a prize-winning elastic, she-buckaroo Sure, I'm stuck on myself, but what do I care? There's no one around me to give me the air But I've never walked home from a trip to the zoo I'm a man-hating lassie, she-buckaroo Someday when I'm ready, I'll ride down the road. I'll rope me a cowpoke that's never been thrown. I'll haul tie him tight till he swears he'll be true. I'm a man roping a lassie, sheep buckaroo. I'll throw away my jeans and get dresses instead. Learn to make biscuits and maybe cornbread. Live in a town, I think that will do. Then goodbye to Patsy the sheep buckaroo. I came my very first time on the barn dance in Chicago. They were having songs about states. And I took the song Texas Plains and just changed the state to Montana. You know, saying just change the states, that's all. But it's a network show, Coast to Coast. So the writer of Texas Plains heard it out on the coast. To this day, he won't speak to me because I still his song. <laughs> well, anyway, the song Texas Plains set my style with the audience of WLS. And... Um, I got tired of singing it, so I wrote another song, I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart, almost like that. The chord progression is almost the same, and it just hit. And the phenomenal thing about girls were not selling. Girls were not popping radio then. They were, we were used. Every band had a girl, but most of the stand there looked pretty. They didn't have a place in radio, but the song happened to click. Who knows? And it's still selling. It still having to pay the bills, as I say. You never know why things happen. If you did, you'd do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I call it a survivor. Yeah. Let's play a little western style and a western swing. I want to be a cowboy sweetheart. want to learn to rope and ride. I want to ride o'er the plains and the desert. Out west of the great divide. I want to hear 
the coyotes howling while the sun sinks in on the west. I wanna be a cowboy, sweetheart, the life I love the best. I wanna ride on pain, going at a run. I wanna feel the wind in my face. Thousand miles from all these city lights, going a cow hand's pace. Wanna pillow my head near the sleeping herd while the moon shines down from above. I wanna strum my guitar and yodel oh, that's the life I love. Now I have found my cowboy sweetheart, and he taught me love and divine. And we settled down in the California town, out west of the great divide. Our two little cowgals have two kids of their own, makes me a yodeling grandma. I'm still riding side by side with my cowboy sweetheart, he's a rootin' tootin' cowboy grandpa. One, two, three, four. Oh, little lady, 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 Country Music Hall of Fame member, the late Patsy Montana, recorded on our stage here at the Ozark Folk Center. Patsy sang, I think God must be a cowboy, she buckaroo, and the song that was the first million seller by a female artist, I Want to Be a Cowboy's Sweetheart. I hope you've enjoyed our show of good Western music. You can learn more about us and listen to past shows by visiting us on the web at ozarkhighlandsradio.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Smith, and I'll see you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. And by Stone Bank, with deep roots in Mountain View and a deep respect for those who preserve our heritage. More information about what it means to bank Boulder is at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.